Good morning. The sermon on Sunday in our service uh, wasn't able to be recorded, and so I'm going to try to do that again so that if you uh, weren't able to be there, that you can go back and listen to it. Now, because we're not in person, you're not going to be able to hear all the enthusiastic amens and you know the laughter that you normally hear when we're all together. Um, but we'll do the I'll do the best I can. Now. The passage that we drew from on Sunday is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16, verses 13 through 20. So I'm going to go ahead and read those before I begin. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So this is a passage that has lots of controversy around it. And unfortunately, the controversy is more around the tradition that follows the passage than it is the actual passage So Catholics say that this is the foundational scripture for the tradition of a pope, one who descends from the line of Peter and leads the church universal. Protestants, which we are as an Anglican church, have wanted to get so far from the pope that some have said that this passage has nothing to do with Peter. It's really about the confession he makes regarding Jesus. And granted, That sounds really spiritual to say that this passage is only about Peter's confession, not about him. But it's not fair to what Jesus really says. The passage demands a middle road, and I hope to show this, between a pope in the line of Peter and nothing to do with Peter. Now, it just so happens that Anglicans have long said we are people of the via media, the middle way. So you're in the right place. Now, in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus tells something of a parable about two men who build their houses in different ways. One man builds his house on rock. The rains fall, the floods come, and the wind blows. But that house never falls because it was built on rock. Now, another man, whom Jesus calls a foolish man, He builds his house on the sand. The same elements come against his house. The rain falls, the the floods come, the wind blows. And what happens? Well, the house falls, and it's completely destroyed. Jesus actually says, great was the fall of that house. In our passage today, Jesus talks about how he is building his own house. And Jesus' house is the church. The Bible makes this point in lots of places. One of them is Paul's letter to the Ephesians chapter 2. 
In Christ, Paul says, you are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Holy Spirit. So Paul tells us the church is the dwelling place of the triune God. The church is God's house. And in this scene back in Matthew chapter 16, uh, we are hearing how Jesus is building the church. Many things in the world right now feel fragile and chaotic. Uh, A lot of families are in this constant phase of learning new ways of existing and surviving. People are doing their jobs, especially our teachers, amidst enormous challenges. Now, others are concerned about even having a job. Society kind of seems to be crumbling, uh, and people are starkly divided on who is best to rebuild it. You might have noticed uh, last week the Democratic National Convention's key phrase was build back better. And now we're having another convention that is uh, telling us that we should build back in, in a different way. Jesus here, though, is revealed as a wise master builder. He builds his house on rock so that the rain and the elements, even the gates of hell, will not prevail against Jesus' church. Now, there are two rocks that Jesus is building on in this passage. These rocks are joined together in him, and I want to show you these two rocks. So the first rock is Jesus himself. Jesus is in a place, we heard this at the beginning of the passage, called Caesarea Philippi. Now Jesus, who is Jewish, spends most of his life on earth in Jewish territories with Jewish people. But Caesarea Philippi stands out as a Roman city. King Herod the Great, he's the one who tried to have Jesus killed when he was an infant. He built a temple in this city, Caesarea Philippi, and he dedicated the temple to the emperor of Rome, Augustus Caesar. And this is where part of the name for the city comes from, Caesarea after Caesar. So in this city, if you can imagine, you would see political propaganda everywhere for Caesar. Probably there would be a lot of Roman soldiers there who represented Caesar's main political slogan, Pax Romana, Roman peace. Now Jesus seems to save a very important question for this very symbolic place. So in this place, Jesus asks his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Now, Son of Man is what Jesus has been calling himself throughout the Gospel of Matthew. It's an Old Testament title for a person who represents God as his king on earth, who wins God's battles for him. Now, the disciples, their answers to Jesus' question are all in the same vein. These are all uh, prophets who would call people to repentance. So there was John the Baptist, there was Elijah, there was Jeremiah. Jesus is certainly doing this. He is calling people to repentance. But then Jesus turns the question directly to the disciples. What about you? Who do you say that I am? And Peter jumps right in with a bold answer. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, just like the Son of Man or similar to it, these these titles of Christ and Son of the living God, they speak of a long-awaited person who was promised in Israel's scriptures. The Christ was the Messiah, the anointed one of God. 
And like the Son of Man, he was God's king who would bring his salvation. We hear about this figure in Psalm 2, that God is anointing on his holy hill to bring his salvation. God's king, his Messiah. And Peter says, too, that Jesus is the son of the living God. And this, too, means that God, he is God's human representative. And with, all these, with these titles, the Christ, son of the living God, Peter is making the brave statement that Jesus is a figure above all others. He is directly tied to God, and at the same time, he's directly tied to humanity. So right here in the shadow of Caesar's temple, with all the propaganda around him and the disciples shouting that Jesus is the ruler of the world, Peter announces that Jesus exists on a plane that's above every other ruler. Now this is the cornerstone of the church. This announcement of who Jesus is. He is God's anointed and he is his son. I myself don't have a lot of personal experience with building and construction. And Travis Dorman's dad, Terry Dorman, is an ideal person to tell us about this work because he's been a brick mason for a long time. But I did find this definition of a cornerstone from the internet, so we know that we can count on it. A cornerstone is the first stone set in the construction of a masonry foundation. The first stone set in the construction of a masonry foundation. And I love this next part. All other stones will be set in reference to this stone, thus determining the position of the entire structure. Now, Jesus is a solid stone. He does not have to compete with other rulers for his position of king over the earth. As he tells Pilate when he's on trial, my kingdom is not from this world. Now he says this, Jesus says this, because his kingdom comes from heaven to earth. Other rulers in the world try to bring earth up to heaven. They try to perfect the earth. They build on shaky foundations, though, and they crumble. The church, meanwhile, is solid because Jesus himself is solid. So what this means is that the church should never be shaken by today's or tomorrow's politics. Caesar and the kingdom of Rome, all the, all the, the disciples were seeing around them in this moment, all of that was going to pass away in a matter of centuries. But the church itself would still stand. And not only would it stand while the world around it crumbled, the church would thrive. And so I, I don't want to make light of it, but what happens in our country in the next election does not affect the stability of the church. Now that's not to say that we shouldn't care or that it doesn't matter, but the worst thing that can happen to the church is for us to idolize the politics of the world, putting our hopes in it as the means of lasting change. This is actually the role of Jesus' church, his house. Now, the first rock that Jesus builds the church on is himself as king. The second rock he builds his church on is his people. Jesus does not consolidate power to hoard it, 
to keep it all for himself. Jesus shares his power. This is what the Old Testament book of Daniel says the Son of Man will do. Listen to this passage from Daniel chapter 7, verse 27. Through him, the sovereignty, the dominion, and the greatness of all the kingdoms under the whole heaven will be given to the people of the saints of the highest one. Now, Jesus is the cornerstone of his house, of his church, but he turns his people into stones as well, and he builds his church on his people. So Peter would later write about this in a letter to a group of Christians who were struggling. They were a cultural minority in Rome. They were being pressured to bow the knee to Caesar. And Peter writes to these Christians, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. Now, I can only imagine that as Peter wrote that, he must have been thinking in the back of his mind about the time when Jesus gave him the new name of Rock. He basically says to these Christians, Peter does, that this is the name Jesus gives to all of us. In Jesus, we are rocks. So Jesus builds his house on the rock of himself, but he also builds it on the rock of his people. So in Matthew chapter 16, Peter is no doubt being personally called up by Jesus to be a leader for his people. So Jesus calls Peter Petra, rock. You are Petra, Jesus says to him. And then he says, on this Petra, I will build my church. There is no avoiding that this in some way refers to Peter. Jesus is saying to him, on you and what, I've making of, what I'm making of you, I'm going to build my church. And to say that, to acknowledge that, is not to say that Jesus is instituting the position of Pope. The same special authority that Jesus gives to Peter in this moment to bind things on earth that will then be bound in heaven to loose things on earth that will be loosed in heaven. He also gives the same authority to all the disciples in a few chapters, Matthew chapter 18. So the Holy Spirit does empower Peter to become a leader for the church in its first years. But following that, that we read this in the book of Acts. In the first 12 chapters of Acts, Peter is a central figure in the life of the church. But following that, Paul is going to become a more central figure. James, Jesus' brother, seems to become a central figure. So what Jesus does with Peter here is specific and it's universal. And here's what I mean by that. It's specific in that Jesus does establish leaders for his church. The church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, writes the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 2. Jesus gifts overseers, pastors, and teachers to lead his church. The church is not a group of anarchists. It doesn't lack organization or structure. Jesus gives it structure so that it can grow and be built up with stability. With Peter, Jesus shares specific authority, and he gives specific leadership for his church. So what he does with Peter is specific. It's an example of the kind of leadership Jesus will give to his church throughout history. But there's also something universal here. Peter is a picture 
of what every disciple is to become through the work of Jesus. Peter is a mixed bag of great successes and great failures. He walks out on water a few chapters earlier to follow Jesus. Then he becomes fearful and he sinks. He alone in this moment proclaims Jesus as God's king. But in the next scene, Peter will try to steer Jesus off course by telling him he will not let Jesus go to the cross. So at one moment, Peter's a shining light. The next, Jesus calls him a devil. Later on, Peter will repeatedly deny Jesus. But notice what Jesus does which, with each of these moments. With each failure, Jesus more and more is turning Peter into a rock. Each time Peter tries and fails, Jesus takes hold of him and he restores him. So Peter, in all of his successes, failures, and need to be restored... In all of this, Peter is a picture of what Jesus wants to do with us personally in all our lives. He wants to turn us into rocks. He wants us to follow hard after him like Peter did, unafraid of the mistakes that we might make. Jesus hasn't given his disciples a spirit of fear or timidity. We should not be afraid of the mistakes that we might make when we follow hard after him. He wants us to rush headlong after him and after his kingdom, taking risks, sometimes falling. But every time we make mistakes, he wants to restore us. He wants to bring us back up like he did with Peter when Peter started sinking in the water. And he wants to restore us in his mercy, to take us to deeper levels of faith in him after each failure. So Jesus is building his church on the rock of himself, but he's also building his church on his people by turning us into rocks. Through his ongoing love and forgiveness toward us, we become people who can follow Jesus more closely, more courageously, so that after many trials, many failures, we can be like Peter was on the day of Pentecost when he stood up boldly and preached and called people to repentance and following Jesus. When you read the book of Acts, you see time after time that Peter has become a new man. And this is what Jesus does in all of us through his spirit. He's making us into new people who can do new, courageous things for him, for his kingdom. So Jesus is a wise man. He builds his house on rock, the rock of himself, the rock of his people. Now there's something worse than bad weather that tries to beat down Jesus' house, though. The gates of hell themselves war against his house. They bring death and destruction to bear against his house, trying in any way they can to undermine it. They use chaos. The gates of hell bring fear and anger against Jesus' house, trying to get his people to be fearful and angry. They seek to weaken the foundation of his house. But remember, houses built on sand, they do fall. But the house that's built on Jesus, the rock, 
and built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, that house will never fall. So as we look around us in the world right now and we see fear, we see anger, we feel these things in ourselves to some extent. What is it that the church is called to do? We're called to look to Jesus the rock. We're called to remember that Jesus is making us into rocks. So we look inside and we look at the fear and anger that we feel within ourselves and we hold these up before Jesus. We ask for his mercy and we trust that Jesus, even in the midst of a a time in our world of chaos and fear, his church is strong. And we are stronger than we can imagine when we stand on Jesus and we hold ourselves up to him and ask for his continued mercy. And so Church of the Lamb, God is continuing to build us up in himself. God is going to continue to hold us up, strengthen us, and use us, even in a season where it's hard to see what he's doing and what's going to happen. We know that his church will not fail. And we know that we, founded in him, grounded in him, built on him, we won't fail either. It's in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.